Greetings, church and friends of the church. It's uh, the third weekend in May 2020. Uh, last weekend, there was frost and snow. This weekend, it's been nice and warm. Um, this is our 10th weekend in this season of the wilderness, this place of being disconnected from what's normal, um, this place of being and feeling isolated. Um, we're still very much um, disconnected from the normal ways of relating to our neighbors, our neighborhoods, each other. Um, um, for those of us that are in this congregation together, it's um, a different, there are different ways that we're trying to relate to God than our normal religious practices uh, because we can't be together Sunday mornings. Um, and we're having trouble relating to our own selves in the same way because our schedules and our to-do lists and the ways that we're doing things are just so different. Um, I uh, want to summarize real quick um, this series of reflections that I've been offering in the midst of this wilderness season, you know, hoping that they're encouraging us along a train of thought um, that prepares us well for life on the other side of this. Uh, the first reflection was on being, being present, the importance of being present to this and, and not being um, distracted only by thinking about the way things were. Um, second reflection was on empathy and how it's, it's natural that it might start to arise within us if we allow it during this strange season um, when we have eyes open to the world in different and new ways. Um, third reflection was on how important it is to become aware of our privilege while we're in this time um, and feel that empathetic urge to extend privilege to all. Um, the next reflection was on how God is in control of the God things, uh, but how we as people are in control of the people stuff in order for this all to work the way that it was meant to work. Uh, reflection after that was how we can't go just go back to the way things were because it wasn't working the way it was intended. It wasn't working for everybody. It was a place of injustice and oppression for a lot of people. Um, and so our future has to be different than our past before before this all happened. Um, the next reflection was on how to do that. We need adaptation and creativity within our systems and in our structures as people, because those old solutions aren't going to magically generate um, new uh, outcomes. Um, our circumstances are so new and so different, we can't just lean on old solutions. We have to come up with new and creative and adaptive solutions for how to order and structure our life together so that it is uh, a more just life together. Um, reflection after that, we talked about, uh, thought about these natural physical tendencies that are the legacy of our evolution, that are a part of every human being. Um, reactivity, that fight or flight mechanism, um, a bias toward negativity, and the force of tribalism, and the role that these play um, in our life together. And then the last reflection, we kind of paused where we were and looked around carefully at a few examples. Um, the story of Ahmaud Arbery, um, the story of armed protests, and the popularity of conspiracy theories, and how we can see these tendencies arising within us as people. So the, so the next step in this argument, um, the, in this train of thought, is to consider um, the kinds of temptations then that arise out from these human tendencies to fight or to flee, to assume and remember the negative and to be tribal. Um, 
to speak generally about temptation at the macro level and also to speak specifically to ways that um, these general temptations become flushed out as a part of our context in our everyday lives at the micro level. Um, but before we do that, we have to acknowledge that whenever we consider that which has to do with more than just these physical hardwired tendencies within us, whenever, whenever we consider how we as a species are able to make decisions about what to do with an intentionality that is more than just our primal urges and physical tendencies, we are talking about being a spiritual people. Spirituality is not just about being religious. Far from it sometimes, in fact. Some of the most religious people we know are, are actually not very spiritual at all. And some of the most spiritual people we know are the least religious people we know. So as we prepare to, you know, next week start reflecting on these temptations that arise out in the midst of the human experience because of this physical tendencies we all have, we first need to consider what it means that we are not just robotically physical or slaves to the physical urges of our bodies. We are, we are not just animals. We need to first consider that we, as humanity, have the capacity to be a spiritual people who um, respond to uh, the temptations of life with actions other than these hardwired gut reactions that are self-focused and self-serving. Temptations we know are on display um, all throughout our scriptural and spiritual history. Uh, Moses had to move beyond temptation in order to do his part in leading the Israelites out of slavery. The prophets had to move beyond temptation in order to stand up in the midst of Israel being exiled and invite the people to love and to serve others, um, other people in other nations around them rather than to fight them. Jesus had to move beyond temptation before he could start his movement of reforming human understandings and relationships for the sake of peace. More on that in a second. You know, more contemporary heroes like Rosa Parks, um, King, Bonhoeffer, Nelson Mandela, they all had to move beyond these temptations to be self-focused, self-preserving, self-serving. So to get back to Jesus, when we read um, Matthew's telling of the Jesus event, um, the time that Jesus spent in the wilderness facing, understanding, and moving beyond temptation was that pivotal point in his life. Before that time, you know, we don't know much about him. We, we don't know if or how he was inspiring new ideas and patterns and attitudes in people. We don't know if he was known for the ways he gave up his time, his reputation, or his life for the sake of others. It was this time in the wilderness that, that was the key shift in Jesus' understandings that allowed for his season of witness and ministry to blossom, to spread throughout all the culture, uh, and then ultimately throughout the centuries in the world. But this wilderness experience wasn't forced upon him like it's been forced upon us um, by the pandemic. Matthew uh, attributes Jesus' movement into the wilderness as a direct result of Jesus being filled with the Spirit of God. 
Now, this, this story is not about Jesus being religious. We know from the other narratives in the Gospels that Jesus was, in some ways, religious within the context of his time and culture. He traveled with his family to religious festivals, even taught in the synagogues. But again, we know it's, it's all too possible to be religious without being spiritual. We can have habitual religious devotion that's more about physical things like fear and fight, negativity, and tribalism than they are about being spiritual, being about something beyond and more than the physicality. Our religion can become something that nurtures and condones uh, self-focus and self-serving if it's not also spiritual. So the story of Jesus in the wilderness, um, then, is a story about Jesus being spiritual. It's the story of Jesus being non-anxious and non-reactive um, in response to these physical tendencies and temptations that arise within him. It's a story of overcoming that physical or animal nature that we all share by grounding himself in a larger story about life than the story that his body and his brain and his fears and his urges tell him. So Matthew tells us the story of Jesus' baptism, um, the story of the Spirit of God coming to fill him, and then how it is this Spirit of God within him that compels him out into the wilderness to really face up to these temptations. So I wonder how we're all compelled to understand this, this idea that he was filled with the Spirit of God. I wonder what you think it means for anyone to be filled with the Spirit of God. Uh, to get us thinking about what this might really mean, you know, the who, the when, and the how, maybe, maybe it's helpful to consider the times and the ways that we feel like someone else's spirit is with us or within us in a unique way, um, such that it is their example, their character, their will, their voice, rather than our own, that causes us to act or speak or make a decision in a certain way. There is, you know, rarely a day that goes by in which I don't get the sense that even though my two grandmothers are gone, um, there is something about them that is still with me and within me. There are reminders, memories, lessons taught, family norms and expectations they helped shape that are still in me. Their lives continue to guide mine. There have been many times that my body or my fears or my desires um, have told me to do one thing, but my grandmothers speaking within my spirit have had the final say. Sometimes to talk about someone whose past being with, in, with us in spirit sounds like a platitude, but other times it feels like they are actually within us. So if whatever is in our spirit is that thing or voice that dictates what we do and say, maybe in addition to feeling like the spirit of a loved one is in that place of authority within us, maybe we also know what it's like to feel or sense inanimate spirits in there. Things like a spirit of greed or generosity, a spirit of hate or love, a spirit of courage or fear. I've come to understand that when we talk about what kinds of spirits are within us, we're really talking about who or what has the final say in the decisions that we make. A spirit of greed will lead to a self-serving decision. 
a spirit of nationalism or partisanship will lead to a tribe-serving decision. A spirit of fear or indifference will lead to a no decision or no action. As Matthew tells his story, that, that place within Jesus is filled with the spirit of the eternal, mysterious, and loving creator known as God. It's the spirit of God who Jesus says sends rain and the sun upon us all, whether we label ourselves as righteous or unrighteous. It's the spirit of the God who Jesus says has this love that is most perfectly on display in us when we love our enemies and we pray for those who persecute us. In his baptism, the life-giving and life-sustaining ways of God, the way of love and care for all, are given room within Jesus' spirit to occupy that place of having the final say. It is this spirit that compelled him to love, include, and help all, regardless of age, gender, class, race, creed, etc., etc. It's this spirit that compelled him to touch, embrace, heal, feed, and invite those labeled by uh, society and by religion as other. It's this spirit that compelled him to challenge the violence, the exclusion, and the moral hypocrisy in the religion of his day. But before any of that, when this first happens, when all those other social, religious, political, and animal voices are pushed out of his spirit and all that room within him is committed to the spirit of the mysterious, loving, eternal, creative God, the first decision that Jesus is compelled to make out from that spirit is to head into the wilderness for an extended season of wrestling with the temptations that arise within him when these other spirits are allowed to occupy him and have a say about what he is to do or to say. Now this, this kind of wrestling with those other voices and wrestling with that temptation could not happen in the midst of what he knew previously as his normal life. He was too busy with his carpentry. Our, our favorite comedian, Jim Gaffigan, does a funny bit about Jesus. And one of the best lines is when he's pretending to be a client of Jesus as a carpenter. He says to a buddy, good thing that Messiah thing worked out. He built a shed for my cousin. What a piece of junk. He was, he was too busy sawing and hammering, building sheds. He was too distracted by the normal demands of his normal relationships. He was too surrounded by and pressured by the other social and religious spirits. But when he was disconnected from the normal, uh, the normal expectations of his vocation, his relationships, social and religious institutions, his focus was able to expand and he was able to see a bigger picture. He was able to move beyond that place where he was operating on autopilot according to those spirits that had been so encultured within him. And he was able to see how tempting yet destructive these encultured spirits can be. And so as we enter deeper into the wilderness, before we're able to wrestle with the real human temptations that we all face, that tend to point us toward fighting and negativity and tribalism rather than point us toward peace and well-being together, we have to ask, what kind of spirit is within you? Whose words are authoritative in your life? Who has the final say? How might you make room within your spirit to listen for a different voice? The words of the life-giving, mysterious, and loving God.
so that you might have a spirit within you that drives you to look beyond yourself with love and concern for others and for the common good. Whether or not you are religious, are you willing to be spiritual and to open yourself to the Spirit of God, who is and was and always will be? Being only religious will never help us as a humanity to overcome the physical, self-serving tendencies and temptations within us that compromise our ability to seek the well-being of all. If we go through the motions but don't actually let the spirit of the loving God have the final say, we all too easily will get caught up in worrying about the fate of our own soul or the fate of our own tribe to the point that we are selfish and exclusive and sometimes even violent in search of ensuring the well-being of our own soul, self, or tribe. But when we are also spiritual, and allow room within us for the spirit of the loving God, that is when our days become, instead of an individual exercise in physicality or self-serving, but a shared journey toward peace and the well-being of all. If we know we can't go back, and if we want to move through this wilderness season into a future that is better and more just for all, where there is more peace and where there is more common good. In order to do that, we need healthy, open, loving spirits. So who's in your spirit? I miss you, Graham. I miss you, Grandma. Thanks for keeping me out of trouble still. Stay home. Stay safe. Be well. Peace be with you.